Good morning. So like Josh said, <coughs> I'm Adrian, and uh, I'm married to Eric, and we have four kids. And I included a picture because we're never standing in the same place. So I thought you should see, this is my family. <laughs> if you see the ones running around, those are mine. Um, and I wanted to show this because I'm going to show you some more pictures in a minute that are older, and I didn't want you to be confused. <laughs> You're like, where's the tiny one that you should? No, they're big now. So um, we have lived in Fayetteville almost a year, and we've been coming to the Holly Springs Vineyard for about six months. Um, we drive far because I love the vineyard, Amen. so it's worth it for us. Um, I stayed in the condo this week, like Josh said, with he and Leah at the regional conference, and Ava, who is not in here for me to tease her. Like, you guys get to talk about your kids, I want to talk about your kids too. <laughs> okay, so, you know, as we're talking, like, I'm a person that, like, I like to fire hose chat, like, two, three hours, let's just, like, share so much about ourselves. If you've had dinner with me, you can agree, this is true. Um, but since we, you know, are often catching those little snippets of time after church, we had like four or five days together to kind of share in a slower way, which was really interesting. And so, you know, Leah kind of asked me on the drive, it was like a six to eight hour drive, if you count the stops, you know. And so she was kind of asking like, um, like, where's your heart in ministry? And, uh, and I was like, I don't know, I mean, a lot of places, honestly. And so it kind of just started sharing over time, like all these threads of things that, you know, God has said to me over the years or that he's done in my life or things like that. And it was really cool because um, you guys have met them. They are not looking for you to prove anything, right? So there was no like, this is my card on how I'm worthy, okay? Like this is what God did. And, then, and it was more like the way, like the peaceful way that I was sharing over time was like, for me, like that's what God did. And oh, I forgot about that thing I used to do. And I liked that and you know, and so, um, it was really clear through our conversations and things like that, that preaching was something that was going to happen. <laughs> and Josh and Leah and I started joking that we were gonna fight for who got to preach this weekend, right? Like, I was like, I'll throw my hat in that ring. And they were kind of like, really? Like in two days, <laughs> like, are you serious? <laughs> and I, I was sort of like feeling it out, but over time I felt like the Lord like was giving me stuff. And so I was kind of like, okay. And like, God is our dad, right? He's like, here's that bandy, just rip it off, right? So um, I kind of feel like that was what God was doing, and maybe just, I said earlier in prayer, like, this is probably the most gentle, generous congregation that I could start my first ever sermon in. Like, you guys have just been so incredibly gracious, so that is how I got here. <laughs> Let me take a drink of water, because I'm probably going to keep talking too fast. I apologize. So if you can go to the next picture. So we had a house in Columbia about six years ago. See, my kids are so tiny. That's why I wanted to show you the other picture. Um, we were in the process of getting our house ready to sell because we were moving from Columbia, South Carolina to Charlotte, North Carolina. And, um, oh, don't, don't go back, don't go back. <laughs> it's okay. I should have I warned you about that one. It's all right. Um, so we had this stump that was like, you know, like termites had eaten it and it was like rotten and it was like a big problem in like this area of our yard. And so we had to dig it up. And as you can see, it's quite a mess. And it took up a fair amount of that space. And so we needed to do something with that spot for curb appeal, right? And so I thought, why not a garden bed? That makes sense. We'll put some flowers in it. And as you saw, it doesn't really look like a garden. I did not get any calls 
to the police. Um, but it does look like we buried someone in our front yard. <laughs> So we immediately realized our mistake and dug up the picket fence thingy, which I thought would be cute, and it was not cute. It did not help. And we uh, made like an oval. I think you can go to the next picture and you can kind of see uh, how we made it a little bit more of an oval there with the little, you know, you can see how well the gardening went, okay? It was great. <laughs> and we also have some bushes, but look, moving truck, we did sell that house, okay? We did sell it. Uh, if you can go to the next picture too, we had some bushes that we were planting. And so um, I asked my husband the other night, I said, um, what happened to those bushes? Like they died in like two days. And he said, oh, we didn't water them. <laughs> I was like, okay. For the record, we do have a garden that's mostly surviving right now. So six years makes a big difference. Um, so this kind of reminded me of this verse that is starting us into the passage this morning. Um, that bush looks so green. Like, it did not make it, you guys. So uh, we're in 1 Peter 1, 24 through 25. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. So I don't really like this verse. I think it's a little depressing. Has anybody ever seen these like grass wither, flower falls away verses and you're like, thanks, that's great. Can't wait for that. Um, so I think I just didn't understand the context of it. You know, like I've been in church my whole life. I've seen these verses a lot and I just never took the time to understand that there was more past just the grass dies. Thanks a lot. And so, um, <clears throat> but there is an element of truth to that, right? Like we know that plants die. We know that our bodies wear away. Um, I have a plant in my office begging for help right now. Hopefully it makes its way back. But um, so when I come to understand this verse in a more full context, it makes a lot more sense. So we're going to go into 1 Peter 2, 4 through 5, which is just a couple verses later. And it says, as you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. I'm trying so hard to slow down, you guys. You can just look at me and go. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Well, I just should breathe too, probably. That would be helpful. It's just a sermon about like the breath of God. That's really what it is. Um, okay, so... Here we see the contrast between the grass, which falls away, and the living stones, which are forever, right? So this sermon is going to be a lot of kind of contrasting. There's a lot of sort of poetic imagery. So um, I want to start, though, by saying that this series is the Temple series. Um, so if you have not been with us for all or some of that, that's kind of our foundation of where we're hanging out today. Um, and I want to start with these like kind of basic premise verses, which is that God's presence is in us. Um, this is one of the big things that we teach in the vineyard, right? Uh, so the first verse says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? The next one is, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. 
And so I just want to kind of give you on the next slide, um, it's kind of just the flow of how we're going. Um, I'm a fiction writer, so like structure matters to me and I tried to make this make sense. And so we're starting out with this concept that I just said, like this is the temple series, like we're the living stones, that's kind of the premise. And then if we go to the next section, I'm going to show you some ways that stones are seen in the Bible. And we're going to kind of meet back where we started, which is like how this, the living stones kind of flows into that idea. Does that make sense? Awesome. Okay, so some examples of what stones meant in the Bible. And this is not exhaustive because we would not get to have lunch. So the stones represent permanence, right? That's easy to, you know, especially with the starting out with the grass. Yes, stones are definitely more permanent than grass. Um, headstones, you know, buildings, all that. Uh, they represent a witness, which we'll get into in a second. Um, stones are a place of remembrance. They represent unity and closeness, and they are proof of God's presence. So <clears throat> we're going to start with the idea that stones are like that remembrance and that marking of God's presence. So we're going to go to Joshua 4, 1 through 7. Tell them to take 12 stones from the very place where the priests were standing in the middle of the Jordan. Carry them out and pile them up at the place where you will camp tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had chosen, one from each of the tribes of Israel. He told them, go into the middle of the Jordan in front of the ark of the Lord your God. Each of you must pick up one stone and carry it out on your shoulder, 12 stones in all, one for each of the 12 tribes of Israel. We will use these stones to build a memorial. In the future, your children will ask you, what do these stones mean? Then you can tell them, they remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the ark of the Lord's covenant went across. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. So they go into the middle of the river. God has stopped the water and he tells them not just to grab any stones to remember by, but he tells them to grab the ones that they couldn't have gotten before. Right? And so um, these were a representation of God's presence. The tabernacle was like carried through this spot. God's presence passed by here. And so those stones were that reminder. Um, you know, they didn't have like, just quick down, like jot that in your phone, stick it in your notebook, bullet journal. I love a bullet journal. Um, you know, this, this was their way of, you know, when they passed by again, or when maybe even someone that they had told the story to said, that's the place. That's where God passed by. And I want to make sure that I'm marking this point because twice this morning, God passing by was mentioned in prayer. And then when Josh was sharing the verses about the communion. Have you ever been in a situation where you felt the Holy Spirit, maybe during a really awesome worship set. I know for me, when I was a kid, I was in church, but usually the feeling of the Holy Spirit kind of was like, like you could catch it almost, you know? 
you'd have like a really solid concert or something and you would just get so jazzed, but like you couldn't just find that again in your bedroom later, you know what I mean? Like it was kind of like, how do I get that again? Maybe it was the music, maybe it was the place, maybe it was the people I was with. And so you kind of look for that. But if you don't know how to find it, what are you gonna do, right? And so this idea of God's presence passing by, I think is really interesting because these 12 stones represented this, they represented the passing by and they are in contrast to the temple. The temple is made of living stones that are built. They stay, they are permanent, and that is where God resides. He no longer is a temporary passing by, say this Jordan you know, spot. And it's the same for, um, it's the same for us. Like we are the temple, we are the permanent residence of the Holy Spirit. He is not just passing by. He is here. He is here now. And he will be here again later in your bedroom. And it wasn't until I was in the vineyard that I could really find it. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't until I was in the vineyard that I was trained to ask the Holy Spirit to come. That I was trained to listen to the Holy Spirit. Um, we did a lot of talking a lot of singing. I don't think anyone ever told me to really listen to what God was saying. The temple was also, in contrast to being passed by, a place that was meant to draw people in. We are the temple. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Next, we're going to move on to stones are a witness of God's presence. So Jesus is arriving in Jerusalem. We're getting ready to read a verse, but I'm going to tell you what happened first. So Jesus is arriving in Jerusalem. It's not long before his death. It's the triumphal entry. And people were praising him for the miracles they'd seen and calling him king. They never liked that, right, when people started calling Jesus king. And the Pharisees got upset and told him to rebuke them. He said in Luke 19, I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. So I don't know about you, but I was mostly of the understanding that this meant that the stones probably nearby that conversation would just like praise Jesus in that moment. That was kind of my understanding. But as I was digging into this sermon and into those words, I realized the meaning of the word cry in the term stones cry out is the cry of a raven. Who can hear a raven in your head right now? Right? Like that is not like a pleasant sound, right? This is not like the morning birds chirped and praised Jesus. This is like, ugh. this is a distress cry. This is a harsh, intense cry. And I think it harkens back to some other verses. We're gonna look at um, after Cain kills Abel and he says, the Lord says, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. The next one we're gonna look at is in Joshua. See, he said to all the people, the stone will be a witness against us. 
It has heard all the words the Lord has said to us. It will be a witness against you if you are untrue to your God. So this is right, like this is kind of interesting that they took, you know, like items in nature and even the actual ground itself and said, the ground saw, God saw. You know, this is not social media tweeting. This is like, we know. The rock saw what happened. And if they were kind of in like a, like a situation, they're like, listen, I don't have anything to necessarily mark this, but I saw and you saw, the rock saw and God saw. And so that was kind of their way of like making like that covenant, like um, almost like a spit handshake is kind of something I can think of that's modern. Like, or, you know, obviously a contract is like less gross, but like, you know, like it's like the spit saw, right? The spit knows what we shared here. Um, headstones, carving your name in a tree, carving your name in your locker under a bleacher. It's a way of saying, I was here, this thing happened. The rock knows. The stones are a witness of God's presence. All right, if you can go to the next slide. Okay. We, the living stones, are the temple of God. I'm like making sure I did this in the right order, honestly. <coughs> I think I moved it. My apologies. Okay, so can you show me the next slide, Becca? Thank you so much. I don't know what I did. It's fine. Okay. All right, Ephesians two nineteen through twenty two. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizen with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself being the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So we've got a couple things that we're looking at in this. Again, I kind of said we were going to do some some comparing and contrasting. And in this section, one of the things that they're really focusing on is the idea of um, foreigners and strangers versus citizens, right? Um, and this is interesting because it comes up a lot with the temple that I was reading. Like there's multiple passages where they kind of play around with this idea. And um, I think that's because it was so paradigm shifting for them in that culture to have the Jews and the Gentiles be joined together to be this temple for God. Right, like for us, that's not really something within our context, but for them, that was like the person you've been committed to excluding your entire life is now one with you. They're allowed, right? So um, the first point that I want to, did I read that? I did, okay, good. Um, the first point that I wanna make is how we are effective together. One living stone is not gonna do much, right? Can you go to the next slide? So if you can't read that, it says, Dave never figured out whether he was the world's only living brick 
or if everyone else was just facing the other way. <laughs> Poor Dave. And it's true, right? Like, if you have an experience, whether it's, you know, in, in the kingdom or outside of the kingdom, like, if you can't find somebody else that gets it, it's lonely, right? And that's one of the beautiful things about the vineyard is that we do teach this. We do create that bridge where, you know, um, maybe somebody's looking the other way or someone's a few down and you go like, hey, is this you too? And we're like, yeah, or maybe not. Maybe let's pray for more or whatever it might be. Um, and then also the idea of the stones representing like the foreigner versus like the home. Um, so uh, I grew up in the military and I am now married to a soldier. So like my dad retired uh, military and then now we are three years from retirement. Praise the Lord. Uh, so I'm used to moving. I know the whole process of what to expect before and after. I have like a certain way I like to pack my boxes, like frames go first, then you do books. You know, eventually like you get it to where like you're just using your like favorite pot, you know, cutting board, you know. Um, and I, I, know, I know how it goes, right? It's natural for me. Um, I had a friend tell me recently that she had never moved. And I just was like, I don't understand. Like, and she, like, she didn't know you used boxes because she had like never had to do, and I was like, I don't understand. Like you just go on Craigslist and you get a bunch of boxes and the whole thing, you know. Um, but I've been the new person my whole life. And for about the first six months to a year, I just know it's gonna be difficult, right? It's just part of the thing. Um, it's novel at first. Usually I paint a bathroom in the first month. <sighs> it's my toxic trait. But over time, it gets old not having your people and your places. I remember going to Target once. Uh, I think we had just moved to Charlotte, so right after those pictures that I showed you earlier. And we had Target. Like, we had Target in the old place, we had Target in the new place. But, like, I went to this Target and it was different. And I was so frustrated because I couldn't find, like, where my shampoo was, you know? And it's, like, silly because, like, it's not even a different store. It's the same store. I should be able to find my shampoo. <laughs> but it wasn't just about that, right? It's more than that. But this time has been a little bit softer. Um, I've lived here very short before in Fayetteville. I've lived there uh, for a short time before when Eric was deployed. And also my family is from here. So, um, well, from here. Uh, my dad accidentally landed here and then everybody stayed. Um, <laughs> my mom lives 10 minutes down the road and my brother and sister are both within an hour. I mean, that has never happened. You know, that's amazing. Um, <clears throat> also, this church softened the landing of the first six months to a year. Um, I was the youth pastor for a little while at the Charlotte Vineyard. That's where we were before here. And um, I met Leah at the youth winter retreat a few years ago. And she and Jessica and I bunked in the same room, which I think is so funny now. Um, but you know, of course it wasn't a big deal at the time. It was just like, thankfully someone will let me sleep near them and they're nice, like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and um, so when we moved to Fayetteville, we gave ourselves a couple of months to kind of get settled, you know. And uh, we had these two, like literally like Fayetteville's here, and we had like two options. And they were almost identical distances. I think the other vineyard is like maybe 10 minutes closer. And uh, so I was kind of like, okay, like which one are we gonna try first, you know? And I literally had a dream, I think it was in December, when we started coming in January, I had a dream that Leah said, come here. <laughs> right? Spot on, yeah, like Josh was like, actually, that sounds exactly like Leah. <laughs> the funny thing is, I don't even think I knew her well enough at that point to mimic her well. <laughs> so, 
Um, so I never tried another church. We just came here, then we haven't left. Um, and I think that uh, it's been interesting because like I said, like I was the, you know, the youth pastor at the other vineyard. I've been to vineyard conferences. Like I love the vineyard. Um, I am deeply, uh, just like I have like that sense of ownership, you know, of the vineyard. And so it's interesting coming to a new church for the first time where I was like, and you know, everything with COVID has made church things different where there's like lots of, you know, new people and all the things. And so I was like, is this my church and you're new or are, am I new and you're greeting me? Like, am I greeting you? Like who's <laughs> greeting who? You know, you're like trying to get to know each other's names and you're like, how long have you been here? And you don't want to like accidentally say like, oh, you're new. And they're like, no, I've been coming like five years. And you're like, I'm so sorry. I don't know. I don't know anyone. <laughs> um, and so we're going back to this verse in Ephesians, the idea of contrasting foreigners and strangers versus fellow citizens. And he's saying, you're not foreigners. This is your place. You're not the new guy. And it also says we're being joined together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Okay, I was like, I've not been paying attention to the slides. Um, okay, I also wanna talk about this imagery when it comes to like this idea of like nearness and closeness, right? Like, so the idea that we're owners, that we have a sense of ownership in this. And so I want you to think about Back in the Old Testament, we've got like the tabernacle, right? We've got the spirit of God in the tabernacle. You've got a priest who has like very specific ways and times he's allowed to go into the presence of God, and do his thing. And right outside of that, we've got the Jewish people, right? And then outside of that, we've got the Gentiles, right? So that's that image of being far from God in the way that this works relationally, right? And... <coughs> This idea of the temple is the opposite of that, right? We are the living stones. So we're the stone, and inside of us is God's presence. Inside of us is the Holy Spirit. And then all together, we're the temple, and we've got God's presence inside of us as a group. And then inside of our little, you know, building temple that we have, inside of that is God's presence. So... I think we're invited. I think we're in. I don't know that you could get more in than that. We're not on the outside anymore. I think most of us probably would have been on that Gentile ring, you know, if we'd been around back then. But you're in. I feel like God is inviting us into more. We talk about that a lot in the vineyard, right? It's like, there's a lot of theological questions that are very confusing. But in the vineyard, we know God is usually inviting you into more. Whatever those questions are, he's got more. You know, we don't always need the answers to those things, but he's got more. And I know that you're in, 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 and you're invited into more. Um, this idea of being together makes me think of being at the conference this week. So uh, I went to winter retreat camp with the kids a few years ago. And then this was my second time being like at a vineyard thing that's like somewhere else, you know, with the teens. Um, so I wasn't an attendee this week. I was with the youth. And uh, I knew, I was like a little bit like I love like the, all the sermons and all the ministry time and all the words, you know. And so I was like, am I going to miss it? Like, am I going to be sad? 
But anyways, I think I'll come back to that. But so I was with the youth, and it was interesting because when I was at winter camp, I had like a conflict that I had to help with, you know, with the teens. And then this time again, I, had, I felt like I was doing that same exact mediation. Like it felt very similar, right? And it was fascinating to me how in that context, right, in this very kingdom feeling environment, how easy it was to deal with the conflict. Because, you know, anytime someone would get upset, again, this was easier because it wasn't my conflict, it was somebody else's conflict, but it was like anytime someone would start to feel shame or get upset, or say like, I'm so sorry you had to deal with this. It was like, we're all just working out our salvation together. Like this is kingdom stuff. Like we're able to handle this in a kingdom way. Like this is a blessing to get to do this. You know what I mean? Like what if it didn't get dealt with? That's, that's not what we want, right? And so I wanna show, I think the next slide has a picture. Yay, look at me guessing right. So those stones are pretty close together, right? Stones in ancient construction were sometimes cut so specifically to fit together because they didn't use like mortar and things like that. And so I'm thinking there was probably some grit. There was some closeness that was maybe a little bit uncomfortable. There's probably some stuff that got worn off, right? We got to wear wear each other's edges off a little bit sometimes. And so, in the kingdom, we are called to unity, to being one body, right? But that isn't always like this kumbaya, peaceful thing. Sometimes we need a little conflict, and that's not a bad thing. So speaking of conflict, families have conflict, right? Yeah. Yeah, I started to say that Josh and Leah felt like family the other day, and then I was like, actually, we're really nice to each other still, so <laughs> not quite like family. <laughs> There's that little bit of like, you know, where you like try a little harder than you would if you were with your own family. I'm all about accuracy. But so speaking of families, we're going to move into this idea that the temple is the home of God. There's a quote on the next slide that says, imagine yourself as a living house. God comes in to rebuild that house. At first, perhaps you understand what he is doing. He is getting the drains right and stopping the leaks in the roof and so on. You knew that those jobs needed doing and you are not surprised. But presently he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abominably and does not seem to make sense. What on earth is he up to? The explanation is that he is building quite a different house from the one you thought of, throwing out a new wing here, putting out an extra floor there, running up towers, making courtyards. You thought you were going to be made into a decent little cottage, but he is building a palace. He intends to come and live in it himself. It's from the lovely C.S. Lewis. And so again, <coughs> there's this idea of like discomfort as much as home is comfortable, it is also uncomfortable. Families can be uncomfortable, right? Especially if you're around each other enough. And so just because it's a little uncomfortable doesn't mean it's not home. 
doesn't mean it's not family. doesn't mean that it's wrong or that God's doing something that's not really what you, you know, sometimes that's the way it's supposed to be because he's making a home. He's building us together to make a home. God has always desired to dwell among his people. From Genesis, where God wanted to be with Adam and Eve, to King David singing out that God inhabits the praises of, of his people, God sent his son to be with us intimately, to walk with us. This is a consistent message throughout scripture. God has always desired and made a way to dwell among his people. This is the temple message, right? There are so many instances of God being with his people in scripture that it could be a whole sermon itself. This is why we have the tabernacle, had the tabernacle. This is why we had Jesus come to earth as a human, and it's why we have the Holy Spirit. God dwells with his people. He wants to be with his people. All right, now I want to move into the idea of contrasting lifelessness and living. The Bible talks about lifeless stones, right? And then later we get this idea that we are the living stones. So what is a living stone? In Acts 17, 29 through 31, we have, therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and human skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. Okay, so at the beginning there, we have that reference to the stone. And then at the end, we have he raised Jesus from the dead. So he's showing us this contrast. This contrast of this lifeless, powerless idea. Like, like this is a god right? Like, this is not stone, it's metal, but you understand what I'm saying. Like, this was common to have, you know, just gods. That's important. That's important. Lifeless. These things were like making decisions for people, right? They were worshiping these things. And we, as humans, have actual life inside of us, just like basic biological life, right? On top of that, we add the living stones part of this. We add the Holy Spirit-filled part of this. And the contrast is like, kind of crazy to me. Not only are the idols powerless, and we, his followers, have the power of the Holy Spirit. We are the place he lives. We're the place he resides. God is the living breath of life at the center of all of it. Not only that, We're not powerless, right? Like, not even like, I can brush my teeth and a stone can't, but like, we've been given the Holy Spirit not just because it's nice. It is really nice. I mean, I would take it just for that. It's nice. But there's so much more that God is inviting us into. I love this idea that, you know, going back to that, um, that tabernacle picture, right? So we've got the, the stones, and we're the temple, right? Like we're the individual stones, and then we're the big stones, and we're all together the stones. We're also the priests. So it used to be that the priest was like a couple of people. They had like a very specific job. They could like potentially die if they did it wrong, like no big deal, no pressure. 
um, way harder than just speaking a sermon on a Sunday, you know. And um, then now in contrast, he says, you're one of the priests. You can come in to where the spirit is. So you're the temple and the priest. Again, we are in, in, in with God. We are not powerless. We have been invited. God wants to be with his people. Us being the temple is the culmination of the temple. We had tabernacle, temple, us. It's also the culmination of this series. So I told Josh that was an interesting choice to let me do that, but okay. (laughs) He's very kind. This is the current state. We are the temple. The temple that was brick is no more. We are the temple. This is what was enabled by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, empowered by the outpouring of the Spirit. This is the plan. We are not plan B. We are not temple light. We are not God's RV for the summer. We're not, I'm renting and I hope I find somewhere better to own soon. We are the temple. If you feel inadequate, it's because our brains lie to us. It's not because God has not empowered you, although we can always ask for more. I should put this down. I'm going to point at you like a teacher. God has always wanted to dwell with his people. This is why we do the stuff, right? That's what we say in the vineyard. We do the stuff. We do the miracles, we do the praying, we ask for words, we do the things that God did when he was here on earth as Jesus the human. We do the things. The living stones are forever part of the building, the castle that's the kingdom, the temple. The legacy we leave, the kingdom work we do is forever, even though our earthly bodies may waste away. Take care of your grass, water your bushes, you know, They're meant to be here for a season. I'm not discounting the importance of the body. God has taught me a lot the last few years about taking care of my body because we are body, mind, soul, spirit. You know, we got to take care of all the things. But also, there's the other stuff too. Be the temple. Be an active part of being this temple. Be someone who is a marker of where God's presence was and is. God doesn't just dwell within us, although, like I said, that might be enough. It's pretty sweet. There's nothing that can take away the Spirit of God inside of us. It is a beautiful, wonderful gift, but it isn't just this thing inside of us. It's a thing that unifies us. It empowers us to do the work of the kingdom. It is alive and active and breathing. 1 Peter 2.11 says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. So there's a couple ideas that they're kind of returning to in this verse. Okay, so we've been talking about the contrast of like being a foreigner versus like being like an owner, um, the ones who are in. Uh, And here it is again, pointing to this idea of being the new guy, but almost even further. How often are we trying to do things to fit in when we feel out of place? I mean, this is exile. Like, that's a little bit more drastic even than just being the new guy, right? Sometimes we're in, when we're in that position, it's easy to abandon our soul, right? To try to fit in, to try to just feel like a person. 
feel like someone that people want to be around. Wanting to be part of a tribe or a group is natural. But I want to talk about this idea of the soul before we finish up. So when we were at the conference, uh, like I said, I was with the youth, so I didn't, I wasn't in like the sessions um, like I usually would be. I was with the teens. But I did catch sort of the closing like intro part on the last day. And um, she said, it was Angela, she used to be in Raleigh area. Uh, she shared this image about holding up your stone of remembrance to the Lord and saying like, you know, what did you come away with this week? Of course, when you're somewhere like that, the info is like just pouring in, you're, you're getting so much from God, you're getting so much. And so she's like, you know, hold it out, show, talk to God about what you got this week. And um, so I was kind of, you know, kind of in that place where like, there wasn't as much pressure to have something because I wasn't really there for that, even though I'm always there for that. But um, I was still surprised at how gently God brought me something. And um, I don't know about you, but like, when I start listening to the Lord, he would give me like pictures of fruit for people. And I was like, why are you doing this to me? Like, what am I supposed to do that with like an orange? What is that? Uh, please, come on, give me more. But it's not until I would like share that, that I would get more of the story of why that mattered to that person or whatever. And it was like that little like baby step, you know, and then you get like the toddler step. So I'm somewhere around like toddler kindergarten level. And so while I was asking for something really eloquent to share with you today, God said, um, this week I gave you stuff you like. Stuff you like. Very fancy. And so that's what, that's what my stones of remembrance were this week was I can be someone that I have, I've had multiple words about the idea that I have this backpack and I like to take things that are not mine and put it in there and it just gets heavier and heavier and heavier and heavier. And if we use the stone metaphor, that's just like even worse, right? Nobody wants to carry around a backpack full of stones. And so the thing that God is stretching me in that feels kind of weird to say is that he's trying to teach me stuff I like. I can take out this idea that I have to do this thing for this reason and this, I should do this because I'm a Christian and this is how I grew up in the church, and blah, 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 right? And he's like, you like singing? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, you like doing it like this? And I'm like, well, that's true. I do like that. He's like, okay. And then there's another thing and then another thing and another thing. And if I told you all of them, it wouldn't really mean that much to you because you haven't been wrestling with me about it, you know? So it's not the thing that matters. It's like, the lightness with which he has invited me into the stuff that I like. It's not heavy. That doesn't mean that we don't ever have to wash the dishes or take out the trash, like Leah would say, but not everything has to be heavy. And so as we're looking at this passage about, you know, waging war against your soul is how the, the verse ends, and I was like, that is very intense, but I felt like it was kind of where God was taking it, ironically, in conjunction with this simple stuff you like phrase. And I want to talk about the, the idea of taking care of your soul. Because, you know, we've got the grass that represents our bodies. We've got the stones that represent our souls. And our souls are forever. And so when we let the things of the world, the things of the culture weigh us down, it just, it chips away. You guys know, I don't have to tell you. I bet you've already thought of something that's weighing down your soul. 
And so I want to encourage us today in ministry time, in your personal time with the Lord, whatever, you know, in ministry time, to connect with God about what are the heavy things that you're carrying? Where are you, and I want to say this gently, where are you letting your soul be waged war upon? You know what I'm saying? Sometimes it's from somewhere else, but sometimes it's us. Where is God inviting you into lightness? Where is God encouraging you to see what you like? I hope that's for you guys too, because I'm still really a little bit annoyed with him about that. Stuff you like. Care for your soul. Care for your body, but care for your soul too. Don't let this stuff suck you dry. And guess what? Kingdom work is not draining. It's not always easy, but it should not be draining because that's what the Holy Spirit is for. And so if it's getting draining, if there's something going on, then that's something going on with you, with the environment, with whatever. But like the kingdom work is the stuff that fills us up. And so today in ministry time, I want to encourage you to just be the kingdom, right? Whatever that means for however you connected with this idea today, wh whether it was something from prayer or for the sermon, like we want the kingdom of God to break into this room today, right now. So I'm going to pray. And I'm usually pretty vineyardy about my prayers, but today I felt really called to use this verse. And so I'm going to pray this verse over you, and then Josh is going to do ministry time. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know that this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.